Imagine a continuum between surviving and thriving. Where would you put yourself on this continuum today? Whether you are just beginning to experience some of the early warning signs of burnout, or maybe you're in recovery, or perhaps you have fully recovered from burnout, this conversation has a message for you. Both Lisa and I are passionate about supporting those who are experiencing burnout because we've both been there and we've both recovered. There can be a happy ending. You're going to love my guest, Lisa Hammett. She's a fellow transformational coach and speaker, and she is thoroughly authentic. You will feel her expertise bubble up through her passion. If you've experienced chronic stress in the past, or if you're experiencing it now, your gut needs some love. When you don't support your gut health, everything else starts to suffer. I've been using Green 85 from Chemical Free Body for over a year and a half. It has helped me significantly reduce inflammation, reducing pain, and I've lost more than 40 pounds without even trying. I have more energy and I feel good that I'm taking care of my body. Go to plenavita.coach backslash shop and click on Chemical Free Body to find Green 85. Use Plenavita for a 5% discount on your order. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Alive podcast. My name is Mary Maduna Gross, and today I'm speaking with Lisa Hammett. Lisa is an expert in burnout, and so we're going to be talking about that today. Lisa, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, this is a, a passion topic for me. I know that's weird, but yes, I, I'm very excited to chat about burnout with you. So I don't usually do this, but I got some statistics for this conversation. I thought maybe awesome. that would kind of help set some context for us because I've experienced burnout. I know that I work with others who have experienced burnout. And sometimes I guess what I was wondering just as we we're coming on to this call today is how much of this is just in our heads? We think it's something because we've picked up little pieces here and there and we're building it. And how much is it really a problem? So if I can, to set the stage that I think the listeners and you and I might agree that this really is a problem. Huge problem. Here, as this is coming from a website, Burnout and Stress by American uh, Psychological Association. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is coming from what I would consider to be a very reputable data source. So yeah. as in 2020, American workers across the board saw heightened rates of burnout in 2021. And according to APA's 2021 Work and Wellbeing Survey of 1,501 U.S. adult workers, here we go, 79% of employees had experienced work-related stress in the month before the survey. Nearly three in five reported negative impacts of work-related stress, including a lack of interest, motivation, or energy. That was 26%. And a lack of effort at work, 19%. Meanwhile, 36% reported cognitive weariness. 32% reported emotional exhaustion. And an astounding 44% reported physical fatigue, a 38% increase since 19, excuse me, since 2019. And so I'm sure it's higher. I'm sure it's higher today. 
still 2021. So it's still not our current. But I think what we're seeing here is definitely A, it's an issue. Yes. And B, that it's not getting better. Agree. And, and here's why I wanted to start our conversation with that today. I, in my experience of burnout, I wanted to become this amazing leader. And so I put all of my energy into being this amazing leader. And there were some things that I didn't know. I get experience and get the credentials, get the knowledge and put it all together. And now you're that amazing leader. Not necessarily, right? We have this whole world outside of us. I, I burned out from that. And I think that I spent probably another 10 years after that having to forgive myself for all of the sacrifices that I was making along the way. Because I think that a lot of us, whether we're in corporate or, or we have our, our own businesses, we have a passion. Hopefully we have a passion that's somewhere in there. Maybe we've lost touch with it, but right. we have this passion and then we do what we think we need to do to achieve that and we're not successful. And so it's cost us a lot. And now we've got the story that says, I can't do this, that I'm not good enough. I think that is the ongoing um, challenge of burnout. So that's how I want to start our conversation, right? That, that yes, there is a problem and that a lot of, and I would suggest that a lot of us don't even, aren't even aware of our own experience in this, right? So I'm hoping that in today's conversation, we can really bring to light, how would I know if I'm in early stages of burnout? How do I even know if I'm on this path? Because the statistics are there, right? Right. Um, and then once I, if I can become aware of that, what are some things maybe I can do to help mitigate that in the short run? Well, that's what I was thinking for today. I love it. I love it. And I couldn't agree more because and I can speak from personal experience as well. The majority of individuals, I would say really most individuals, they ignore the warning signs yeah. and they start as subtle. Because the American work ethic, and not just in America, in a lot of countries, is you work yourself to death. Right. You really do. And especially if you are an entrepreneur or you're really passionate about something, and it could be in the corporate sector also, you just, you dive in a thousand percent and you're just go, and then it has significant backlash. But, excuse me, it's the subtle things, like the tension headaches. If you're finding that you're going to maybe the chiropractor more or a massage therapist more because you're just, you know, you're getting aches and pains up here. It's causing the headaches. You're not sleeping. You know, the number one reason people don't sleep is due to stress. There are other health reasons, but the number one reason. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't turn your brain off, even if you don't feel like your body is anxious, your mind is anxious. Right. And that is causing problems. And then in my case, it led to digestive issues, chronic migraines, your communication breaks down because you're so tense. And if you're interrupted from for whatever reason, it's real easy to just go away. If I need to focus on this and you're really short tempered. So it's, it's those things that we're like, I don't have time for this. You know, oh, I'm just tired. I didn't get a good night's sleep. So I'm just, but then that starts to become the self-fulfilling prophecy. And before we know, we're eating crappy because we need quick energy. So we're grabbing sugary or caffeinated substances, which in moderation are fine, 
But when that's all we consume, it can just destroy our gut health. And when our gut health is not in alignment, everything else just implodes. So those are just some of the things. There's so many other symptoms. Yeah. Thank you for laying out some of those early warning signs that many of us just overlook. Yes. So I think we've done a good job of setting the stage for our conversation. So before we dive further into this, I would love to know more about you. What is your, what's your story and how does your story connect to your experience in burnout? Absolutely. So I spent 26 years in the corporate retail sector. And when I was in my early 20s outside of college, it was exciting. I was working all the time and then I became a buyer and I was traveling all the time and it was really fun and exciting. But then as I got older, I started to resent the fact that I was working most weekends, even when I moved into the corporate sector, because you were so busy during the week, you couldn't catch up. So you go into the office on the weekends to try to catch up. Or if you're traveling on the weekends, then you really never get a day off. So you're just working all the time and you're exhausted. And I was working about 80 hours a week and it just was, it started as the slow burn. And then I started getting all of these symptoms that I had shared. In addition to, I really was depressed. We had lived, my husband and I had lived in California. We were both born and raised there. And in 2002, we moved to Texas and I was relocated with a large retail organization. And they, it brought us here. And I, I didn't realize at the time just how depressed I got mm-hmm. because I was working all the time. We had no family here, sure. I mean, it was just my husband and I. And when we first moved here, we weren't married. We've been together for seven years, but we weren't even married. And we eventually got married. But it just, it was one thing after another. And I started, my health really started to deteriorate. And I remember waking up one morning and the world just looked gray, Mm. like devoid of color. And I consider myself a pretty energetic, outgoing person. And that really freaked me out. And that is a sign of chronic depression. And I remember having a conversation with my husband and he said, I love you, but I don't like you. You have just become this other person and this job is killing you. And he said, I don't care what you do, but would you just please get out of that job? Because I was having stomach issues and chronic migraines and just it just compounded and I wasn't sleeping. I was getting like three to four hours sleep a night. So in a moment of desperation, I left an industry, a 26 year career at a very high salary without an exit strategy. Right. And as a result, it caused significant financial hardship, including bankruptcy, because I could not, I went to the direct selling industry and I did very well, but I couldn't replace that corporate income. I just couldn't do it. And there were a lot of positives that came from me leaving. And in hindsight, I still would have left that industry, but had I not allowed myself to get to that stress and burnout stage, I would have been more thoughtful about how I exited. And I would have planned a strategy so that maybe I wasn't making quite the income that I had been in corporate, but I was at least bringing in an income that would not result in bankruptcy. Because if you've ever experienced any financial hardship, that alone, that's a number one reason people get divorced. 
And it is amazing that my husband and I stayed together because we were pretty newly married when that happened. And it was awful. When creditors start calling you at work and they say they can't do that, but they do anyways. And it's mortifying. So that's my story. But the positives that came out of that is, so one of the byproducts of my stress was I gained 65 pounds. I was Mm -hmm. grossly overweight. So I started my health and wellness journey and I lost the weight. And then I developed a love for coaching. I did it through Weight Watchers. And then I became a coach and I was a coach for them for 11 years. And I really fell in love with helping other people like myself who would just due to life situations, let their health and well-being go. And there was, it was a foundation that was based on mindset, which I love. I love the science back research on behavioral science. So that led me into the coaching realm. And then during the pandemic, I had people coming to me who I'd known like from all walks of life, corporate, Weight Watchers, friends, what have you, and they felt lost. And not only were they burnt out, but they're like, I'm just at a loss. I don't know what to do here. Can you help me? So that's really what propelled me into starting my own coaching practice. Mm -hmm. And I took it on, worked for myself 100%, and it just, it blossomed from there. And got my life coaching accreditation. And then I, last year I became certified in positive intelligence, mental fitness, which is, which is an amazing technique, I guess, that you could say to help manage stress and other negative emotions. So that's my life. And now I help people like myself really transition from toxic environments, reclaim their health and well-being, And alert them to those warning signs that we were talking about and how to overcome them. So that's my complete story. (laughs) That is a beautiful story. And I think what I'm coming away with for this story is that there can be a happy ending. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you're in the midst of it or you don't even know that you're in it yet, you're just in the muck and nothing feels good. It feels like this is how it's going to be forever. Yep. And that nothing I do is going to matter anyway. And I use an energy leadership model. And that's like the lowest level of energy is. It doesn't, I, it, I, even if I did something, it wouldn't matter. So true. So I want the listeners, if, if that's what you're feeling, I want you to hear both from Lisa's story and, and if already my story is that there is a happy ending to this. This can be reclaimed. So we know it's a problem. We know a little bit about what some of these early warning signs that we're ignoring are. And we know that we can bring ourselves from this. The other thing that struck me as I was listening to your story is the idea of separation. So when you first started your story and talking about the traveling that you were doing and how much time that you had to put into work to, from your life into work because of how much you had to do, I just get this feeling of she's not only separating from the rest of her life, but She's also got to sacrifice a little bit of herself every time that she says no to something that she really wants to do so that she can do what she's supposed to do. And then I heard it again when you moved to Texas. Now you and your partner, now husband, were alone, right? You were literally separated from your entire support network. And so you didn't have that friend that you could call up down the street and say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. So and those were two things that, that really stuck out to me about your stories, that there is a happy ending, but that along the way, another sign is this idea of separation, I think. Oh, that's so important. Because especially when you're depressed and anxious, 
oftentimes you disconnect. Now, in my situation, I was forced into that because we literally up and moved to an area where we didn't know anybody. But that doesn't always occur when people reach stress and burnout. They could be living in their same area and they could be well-connected in a network. And when they get to that point, they disconnect from everything. And that's a huge sign of depression. And when you start to retreat, that is a major warning sign. And oftentimes we, we don't think of that. We just think of it as I just can't deal. I can't deal with one more thing. But if that's not treated and we don't get help, it can go into some serious emotional problems and God forbid, life-threatening problems right. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, this, this is very serious topic. It is. It literally it is, is a life death topic. It is. And even if we're not going to go, if we don't even go that high, it's definitely a quality of life. I don't want to live. I've lived in that depressed state and believing that no matter what I did, it wasn't going to matter. I don't think anyone wants to live in that space. The energy is so draining there. Like I, that's, we just want relief. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what we're looking for in that moment is relief. And since we don't trust ourselves, we got to look outside of ourselves. Where's this relief going to come from? Exactly. Exactly. And we do desperate measures. I have seen people in careers, they have ended marriages. They have made a huge investment in a franchise, made a huge financial investment just because they had to get out of a situation. And I'm not here to say you should or you shouldn't do those things. That might be the best thing for you to do. But again, you need to be thoughtful. These aren't things that you just snap your fingers and just say, okay, my life sucks, so I'm just going to do this and it's going to fix everything. Because if you don't fix what's in here, it doesn't matter what you do to change your circumstances and who you surround yourself with. It's an internal thing. And you have to fix yourself first before you then move into this life-changing thing. And I did not do that. Now, I did that when I left, but I should have started that process before I left that environment. And had I been doing self-care and had I talked to somebody, a mentor, a coach, a therapist, that could have made a huge difference. But a lot of people say, oh, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. Self-care, that's the first thing we let go uh, out the window. And it's really, there's an irony in it because when things get really bad, that's actually the first thing that we should keep because that is going to protect us and keep us in the right mental state so that when our life just goes into a complete Mm-hmm. I could shit show. Expert, shit show. Thank you. I didn't know if you wanted me to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it becomes a huge shit show, then we're more adept at handling all those curveballs that are thrown at us. I love it that you have brought this back to us because, I, and I've got it up on my board here. It's an idea. One of those, I saw it more clearly this week. In fact, one of my favorite quotes is by Deming and it is every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it's getting. Ooh, now, that's a good one. So that's often used in, in, in business and team kind of settings. But what I have learned through the work of working with teams and individuals is that it applies to an individual as well. Absolutely. So if I look at my life, if the, okay, so every system in my life is perfectly designed to get the results that it's getting. Mm-hmm. So when I look out and I don't, these aren't the results that I want, and yet I'm perfectly designed to get these results, 
what we've been doing in the past, like we've mentioned a few minutes ago, is we try to rearrange everything outside of us so that we feel okay inside. And so I have it up here. You're not okay on the outside because you're not okay on the inside. Exactly. And what we try to do is find a new job, find a new partner, new medications, new something, right? Something on the outside that's going to make me feel better. But most of those things don't have anything to do with what's happening on the inside. So true. And it's scary to really ask yourself some hard questions. And that's why people avoid it. Because we as humans avoid things that are uncomfortable and really identifying those issues that are creating all these other issues. It's messy work and it is uncomfortable. But unless we deal with that, it doesn't matter what external things we do. We're never going to be happy. We're never going to be successful. So we have to take care of ourselves first. And I know some people think, oh, that's just that little crap. No, it's not. It's not. If you look at any top leader or people who are great, like mindset, thought leaders, they'll tell you the same thing. It doesn't matter what area of life, the people who are the happiest and most successful, they do the work. Exactly. And they protect themselves from all the external crap that prevents them from doing that. I think that is absolutely fabulous. Just highlighting this priority, Mm -hmm. right? Because when I'm okay on the inside, it doesn't really matter what's happening on the outside. No. I already believe that I have whatever I need to manage it or to live with it. Absolutely. So if we're talking about how do we get to the inside, where do you start? The... What I do and what I help others do is really have an understanding of how our negative thought patterns are driving our behavior. So you have to start with creating awareness of those negative thought patterns. And oftentimes we don't even know that they exist. What attracted me to positive intelligence, multiple things, but I love science And it's all based on science-backed research, cognitive behavioral theory, positive psychology, neuroscience. And so it's legit. It's not, if if people listening to this are thinking, oh, that's just woo crap. No, it's all science-backed research. And science is science. Okay. It's it's proof. So it helps you identify those thought patterns that we, that have just become second nature. And the majority of our negative thought patterns bubble up from our subconscious. Mm -hmm. So unless we're dreaming about them at night when we sleep, we're not even aware of them. So it's learning to be aware of them. And then as soon as they start to manifest, learning how to quiet them and shift to a positive mindset. Mm -hmm. So to your point, when all this crap is going on around us, we feel peace. We fall calm. We're happier. We're healthier. And it doesn't necessarily that mean that those problems go away. They don't. But we're able to look at them from a different lens and recognize there's a gift and opportunity in this situation. It's teaching me something. It might not be the most desirable thing at the moment, but it's teaching me something. Or at the very least, if it's really difficult, like, God forbid, you get a cancer diagnosis or something, it's okay, this is not optimal, but I can't unchange that. So I can impact now what I can do to help manage this situation and get right moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I start with self-awareness as well. 
And when I first started myself practicing self-awareness, I, I was very cerebral, very in my head about it. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm with myself all day. I know what I'm doing already. <laughs> I love that. And then I started listening. And then I started listening to that inner chatter. And not only for the content, but just for the way it was speaking to me. And I've heard somebody else say this because it validated what my own experience was, but I was verbally abusing myself. Oh, yes. And, and that happens. Like, I criticize myself. Here, one small little story, one small little example of this. I was doing a workshop in a high school, and high schools are these big, sprawling buildings, and the parking lots are blocks long and blocks away. And I had left something in my car. And so I was on my way back out, this long truck back out to my car, and I realized I didn't have my keys. And immediately what I did was start beating myself up for not grabbing my keys and making myself go all the way back to get the keys. And why can't you think of it? And I, it just went on. And it was really the first time I think I heard what I was saying to myself. And I thought, because in my head, I thought it's no big deal. Go back and get your keys. And it's a long walk. We got plenty of time. It's no big deal. But my nervous system Re reacted to this as it was a very big deal and really just ripped into myself about leaving keys behind. And so I think that when you're you, you, I think when touching on one of the other things you said is we don't do this because we're afraid of what we're going to find. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's really that experience was like, oh, OK, this is where I have to give myself grace. This is where I have to learn to talk to myself in a more graceful manner. What would I say to a six-year-old child who did this? You know, would I beat them up? I think there are some adults that might, right? And maybe that's where I got it from in the first place. Right. But my best self version would never beat up a six-year-old for leaving keys behind. What would we do? We would figure it out. What is, what's the best thing to do in this moment? And so that part about grace and self-compassion for me has to be firmly welded to this self-awareness practice. Oh, a thousand percent. It's, it's human nature to hold ourselves to a different standard than everybody else, which is stupid. It really is. There's no benefit to it. But we hold ourselves to this perfectionistic standard saying, oh, I could do better. I could do better. And Okay, maybe we could learn from that. But you know what? If, the, if these things did not occur, we would never learn. If we were perfect all the time, we would never learn and grow. And for children of parents who would be perfect, oh my gosh, you would damage those children because the children would then say, I could never achieve that level of perfection of my parents. Mm -hmm. So it's ridiculous. Yes, tell, asking yourself, how would I talk to a six-year-old child? But also, how would I talk to a loving family member or friend? Somebody that you care. If you yes. heard somebody that you truly care about and they're sitting there beating themselves up, you wouldn't go, yeah, you're right. You're just, you're a loser. What are you thinking? You can't do this. You're right. That was the stupidest thing you could have done to leave your keys in the car. What were you thinking? You would never, ever say that. And you would even not even have a desire to say that. So it's like show that grace that you would show that loved one on yourself because yeah. you're no different. You're no different. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that it, it, I still come back to that as the most important practice I think that I do. 
And I realized too, and I don't think I have a, a, spe a specific example of this, but I was with someone else. I was with another individual and this individual spoke to me in a tone that was not like them, right? I'm like, that's an odd response. Like overly harsh is how I would have defined it in the moment. And normally I would have taken that really personally. Who are you to talk to me in that tone of voice and all of that? But I, there was something about me that just paused and I said, oh my gosh, that is exactly how this person talks to themselves. Yes. So I, but that experience too helped me see that not only how I'm speaking to myself and how I beat myself up, but if I don't learn to speak to myself better, this is how I'm going to communicate with other people. Exactly. And you started to have, by recognizing that, you had more empathy towards this person. Absolutely. Because you've been in their shoes. You understand that. So you can be more empathetic instead of just reacting to say, this person's an idiot or how rude or what a jerk or other expletives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And again, that whole idea, because I remember, I, I won't give the specifics, but I remember in that moment feeling like I had to defend myself because nobody should be speaking to me in that tone of voice. And that could have created a whole nother problem, right? Oh, so absolutely. if I respond to this person as, who the hell do you think you are speaking to me in this tone of voice? And they don't even recognize it. Like, that's the voice that they use for the. Oh, so it's almost that, what are you talking about? I don't understand why this is so harsh. Mm -hmm. So I think some of that too, because again, when we're in, I think when we're in these spaces, we attract other people who are also in these spaces. Absolutely. And that it's easy for us to really feed off of one another and spiral downward rather than being able to recognize and, as you say, even empathize with other people and where they are in that moment. Yes, absolutely. Energy attracts energy. What you put out in the world will come back to you. Like if you're constantly negative and you're stressed and you just are churning, you are going to attract more people like that and more negativity. And because what happens is what we repetitively think about drives our belief system, which then impacts our behavior. So we're believing that, you know what, this is life. This is reality. And you had mentioned this before. I, I don't want to be in this, but this is my reality. And so we're attracting more of it. But if we start to take a different perspective, like you did with this individual, then we're like, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. Right. And they unfortunately are ingrained in this, but they don't have to be that way. They can shift perspective. I certainly don't have to be that way. And I choose not to because I want more for my life. Exactly. So self-awareness is a challenge. And yet I would also say that along with that grace and compassion, it is so worth it. Mm -hmm. I, I think over the past year, my biggest breakthrough has been that change, that inner voice has, has changed its tone with me, where it was very critical in the past. I remember it was, it, this was another kind of a little aha moment. I was washing dishes about a year ago and the little voice is just narrating the experience. And all of a sudden I heard, Mary, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing in this moment. Oh, good. I, it was so clear to me. I literally thought somebody was in the room with me. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, no, that's just me. Oh, my gosh. To have your inner voice now cheerleading and encouraging rather than denigrating and degrading shifts everything. It is. That's amazing. And people don't stop to listen to that. 
Right. They just don't. But when you're fully present, you're able to hear that voice. And it's that is what is uncomfortable for people is to get fully present. That scares me to just sit because that's forcing me to slow down and and look at a situation. And I, I don't have time to do that. I can't do that. Sure you can. Yeah. You know? And that's another reason why I like positive intelligence so much because the the techniques that are used in order to quiet those negative emotions, they're little micro meditations and they help you just get fully present. Those negative thought patterns, they never go away completely, but you can quiet them and then you can learn to, when they do appear, just shut them down immediately. Right. And allow yourself to listen to that other voice that's saying, you know what? It's okay. Yeah, this is challenging, but you know what? This is better. Yeah. I have been intentional about, uh, and I know there's lots of schools of thoughts around this, but I, my goal or my intention has been to use that voice as an indication of my relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I lost my train of thought where I was going with that. The inner voice. Hopefully it'll come back. Yeah, it will. Okay, it will. It will. Okay, so we have at least the beginning of, no, once you recognize the patterns that you're in, starting to observe what you're doing and then asking yourself, why am I doing this? Being gentle with yourself as you hear that voice. But I think maybe that's the next step of what is this meaning about me? What am I making this mean about me? Mm-hmm. So one, you just before we hit record, I was telling you, I think it was before we hit record, that in my previous life, I would have defined myself as a time cop, right? Everything mm-hmm. started on time. Everything's got to end on time. Not just for me, but everybody else around me and interacting with me as well. And through entrepreneurship, I've just learned that to let that go. But through that process, there were lots of appointments, right, that didn't that were missed. And what I heard myself saying to myself is they don't respect me. They don't value me. And then I, then that was like, then I have to take that to where am I not respecting? Where am I not valuing myself? But that is how I use these externals, right? To get to what is my problem? Because I'm in a space now where I take zero offense, take zero personal if somebody doesn't show up for a meeting. Mm -hmm. That life has happened and they've made a decision that's right for them and I'm okay with it. Yeah. But this, as you were saying before, the same things are happening. People didn't show up. People didn't show up. But now I have a different perspective and that allows me to experience it differently. So now I'm not, again, not only beating myself up, but beating somebody else up because they've done something to me. That takes a lot of energy. And it's negative energy. Yeah. And you've got to protect your energy. Yeah. You want any kind of peace and being in your life, you have got to protect your energy and not allow those situations, those triggers to just completely derail you. Right. It's I always look at it too that some days if I'm if I'm busy, I there's might be a slight irritation and then I stop and I'm like, you know what? This just gave you time back. Just let it go. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. And then I just move on to something else. Because especially in entrepreneurship, you have to be able to pivot and just redirect at a moment's notice because curveballs are thrown everywhere. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be intentional about setting boundaries and time blocking and all that stuff. 
Absolutely. But when you're working for yourself, a lot of things can just come out of left field. So you have to be flexible right. and you have to be able to look at situations like that from a different lens. And as I'd referenced before, looking at, okay, what's the gift and opportunity in this situation? Yeah. 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 I, I think that's, I, lo I love that idea. Uh, and I'm, I don't even know where I got this. So I'm sure there's another source out there, but the idea that every problem also contains its solution. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then what is it that we're going to look at? Are we going to look at the problem and continue to admire the problem, which I've been really good at in the past? Oh, yeah, me too. Or, or am I going to redirect my attention to, okay, so I know what I don't want. What is it that I do want? And how do I create more of what I do want? Absolutely. Because those problems that we fixate on, it's most often things that have already happened or something that is maybe about to happen, but it's completely out of our control. We're focusing and generating all of this negative energy on something that we have ultimately no control over. All right, let's focus on what we can control and see how we can improve the situation as a result. Just let that go. And that has been a long time coming for me, but I have gotten so much better at that because I used to just fixate on things outside of my control. And occasionally I will, and my husband will catch me on it. And I'm glad he does. He's like, that falls into the category of stuff you just can't control. I'm like, you know what? You're right. And I just move on to something else. So it's, yeah, just let it go. You can't change what's happened. You can't change the future. You really don't know how that's going to happen. Yes, you can put steps in place to, to plan for it, to, for goals and that kind of thing. But ultimately, you can't can't say this is definitely going to happen in the future. You, you can't control that, but you can control right. your actions as of right now. And, and, and that concept right there that we can't control it, I think also ties back to what we were saying earlier about the work ethic, right? And this Protestant work ethic that we all have that we got to work, work. And then coming back to this piece that somehow I've got to find a way to control all of these variables in order to make something happen. And that's my job. That's my responsibility. And, and maybe those key, those thoughts right there, those beliefs right there are going to have to lead us to burnout. Oh, I, don't, I don't know how they couldn't lead one to burnout other than someone just saying, you know what, I'm not playing this game anymore. But if they don't have a, an alternate strategy, then it's just that withdrawal, right? That's depression. Absolutely. Right? And so I think what you and I are talking about is here's the alternate way. We don't have to be depressed and withdrawn. And we don't have to control things that we don't have control over. And in the middle is really that coming to ourselves through self-awareness and self-compassion. Absolutely. And ultimately, life is not supposed to be hard. There is this huge misconception out there that life has to be hard in order for you to learn and achieve things. I have to work super hard in order to get this promotion and be able to do this. No. Life is not supposed to be hard. Now, what I am not saying is your life is going to be devoid of challenges. That is, that's false. Absolutely. But when things are hard, that is a negative energy or thought pattern that we are bringing on ourselves. Now, sometimes it could be that we're focusing our energy on something that is not really in alignment with what we do. It's not a strong suit for us. It's not in alignment with our core values. We're not passionate about it. 
In situations like that, we need to delegate or stop doing it because we're not going to be successful at that. And before we got on our podcast here, we were talking about technology (laughs) and technology is not a strong suit for me. And I mentioned to you, I'm not completely ignorant, but if I were to be editing videos and doing my own SEO work on my website, I could probably learn how to do it, but I would be so stressed out about it because my brain doesn't work that way. And I have learned that I need to delegate that. So I've hired somebody to take care of that for me so I can focus on what I'm good at. And when you recognize that and you release all that stuff that drains you of your energy, oh my gosh, your life is so much better. And if you're at work and you're working on something, then you know what? Find somebody that you can delegate it to. You know, because I'm not saying every single thing that you do is going to make you happy. Paying bills, I don't know anybody who pays bills that and absolutely loves it. You can certainly do it through a better place. So exactly. my dog decides to start barking. Sorry about that. That's okay. He's got something to say about this. He does. He does. I have truly enjoyed this conversation. I, I think we've re- I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you about what is this problem in the first place? How do we start to move ourselves out of it? And I think one uh, last question I would like to ask you is, what were some of those external supports that you relied on to help you move out of this? Because I don't think this is something that we're supposed to move out of on our own, right? No. no. Getting in that space in the first place was we isolated ourselves. So I think that, that, that again, this is how we're designed to connect with one another. So what would you say about that next step? I think you need, it's not I think, I know, you need to find help. You need to talk to somebody. And I'm not saying you have to go to a therapist or a counselor. If you're in a really bad place, that's probably the best place for you to go. But again, you don't have to do that. But find a mentor. Find somebody that you trust. Find a coach. Find somebody that is objective. Now, oftentimes we want to run to a close friend or a family member, and they can be empathetic but they're not always objective. And you really need somebody who is objective, who can look at your situation from a different lens and ask the right questions to make you dive into that self-reflection and and make you think and help you move past that. So I honestly, if you're in a super bad place, you need to ask for help. You, You have to, and it's not a sign of weakness. In my opinion, it's a sign of strength. Because you're taking charge of a really difficult situation and you're telling yourself, you know what, this isn't me, this isn't my best self, and I deserve better. And those around me who are important to me and my employer and everything, they deserve the best part of me as well. So I'm going to do this for me because I know it will provide everybody around me with the best version of myself. I love closing on this because coming back to it, us, because again, all this external, we were worried about everybody else and taking care of everybody else and we ignore ourselves. So coming back to 
if there's going to be a change for you, it has to start with you. Absolutely. And there is support out there to help you move in this direction. You and I are two examples of this. Many of my other podcast guests are examples of people that you can go to. So there is support out there. You have, though, to take that initiative and make the connection. Even if you don't know what you're even asking for. Like, I remember when I first, I, one of my key coaches on my team is an energy worker. And I've been working with her for over 10 years. And I remember when I first started deciding to work with her, it was that whole thing of, do I even buy into this energy thing? And yet, I, I, there was something about me that said, just try it. And once, uh, and I've tried a lot of things, I will say that didn't work for me. This is one thing I tried and it's like, oh my gosh, this definitely works for me. Yeah. So it'll be, I guess I say that because I know when I have hit those, this is stupid, I don't like this. Like I assumed everybody else was in that same category, but they're not. Find the person, find the resources, whether it's energy or nutrition or exercise or mindset or leadership, any of these, start somewhere. Exactly. Start Have a conversation. And most professionals in whatever space they are, they offer complimentary consultations because they want to make sure that it's the right fit. And if you have a conversation with somebody and you're just not feeling it and you're not completely comfortable, then it's not the right person and you need to find somebody else. And I tell this to people all the time because I have a ton of these conversations and I know you do too. And I tell people, I am very good at what I do, but I'm not for everybody. And I am not going to take offense if you tell me at the end of our conversation that, you know what, I appreciate this, but we're not the right fit. I'd be like, thank you. I appreciate you saying that because there's nothing more frustrating than when you recognize that you have an issue and you really want to work on it, but you feel like you're stuck because you're not getting the right support that you need. It's like you're hiring somebody. Imagine that you are like the employer and you are employing somebody to work for you. That's exactly. basically what you're doing. So flip it and it, it's, it takes a whole different perspective. It sure does. So Lisa, where can people find you? So the best way to find me is on my website, lisaamet.com. That's H-A-M-E-T-T. And you'll learn a little more about me, the book uh, that I wrote from Burnout mm-hmm. to Best Life. I'm also a motivational speaker, so you'll see different speaking engagements. So that's the best place to find me. I love it. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and experience with us today. Thank you. I loved this conversation. I thought it was amazing. I'm like so energized right now. I'm like, this was great. I am too. Thank you again. I appreciate you. Thank you.